Thank you so much, Meg. Thank you, Lee. And a massive welcome to you if it's your first time here at St. Thomas's or your first time in a while. It is wonderful to see you. If you don't know why we're here at St. Hilda's at the minute, rather than in the city centre in the Haymarket where we normally meet, it's because at the moment we're currently undergoing a huge building project which started way back in February and it's due to finish on September the 17th, which we're really excited about. All of the works are on track at the minute and the space is looking absolutely fantastic. And tomorrow we're having some huge glass walls put in, for those of you that know the building, to separate the balconies from the, from the ceiling. And we're really, really excited about that. A little bit about the history of St. Thomas's, if you are new as well. St. Thomas's is 850 years old this year. It started in 1171, down with a little chapel down on the quayside. Um, a year and a half ago, though, the Church of England and the Diocese of Newcastle designated St. Thomas's as what's called a resource church. And so myself, Lee, and the team moved to Newcastle to start St. Thomas's, replant it, if you like, as the diocesan resource church. That was 17 months ago, 18 months ago now, October the 6th, 2019. So in many ways, we're an ancient church and very young all at the same time. And um, our vision is to plant churches across the northeast, um, to plant um, new communities of um, hope and the truth of the gospel, and um, to resource mission and ministry around this region. And there's lots of that already happening. Um, all the glory um, goes to God. And we're starting an Eden project in the autumn in Biker, which we're so excited about. There's so much happening. Um, and so we're very early on in our journey. So if you're just joining us, you're joining us at a very good time. My name's Ben, as Meg and Lee said, I'm married to Ellie, and um, we've been in Newcastle for the last two years, and um, it is our greatest privilege to lead this church. So, if you could grab a Bible, we're continuing our sermon series on prayer. Um, as you know, we're going through the Lord's Prayer, and we're taking a line each week and a bigger chunk of the Bible and going through the Lord's Prayer line by line. This week we're in Matthew chapter 7 and we're going to be reading from verses 7 to 11 together. Matthew chapter 7 verses 7 to 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everybody who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to good give, good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. As you know, here at St. Thomas's, at the, um, whenever we're doing a sermon series, we often have a prayer that we pray at the start of, uh, of the talk each week to kind of tie in the sermon series together. The really obvious prayer for this series, since we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, was indeed the Lord's Prayer. We've just had it sung over us, beautiful song written by uh, Will and Mim, but we're going to say it together as well. So can I invite you to stand where you are? The words will come up on the screen, and let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, 
as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Please do take a seat. So as I said, we're in week three of our sermon series on prayer as we go through the Lord's Prayer and take a different line each week and unpack it a little bit more. Two weeks ago, James kicked us off with the first line, well, the line that comes immediately before the Lord's Prayer, when the disciples say to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Interestingly, the only thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them was how to pray. My takeaway from what James said two weeks ago, and this has stuck with me ever since he said it, is that the Lord's Prayer is not really about what we need, but who we need we need. Jesus teaches us to pray to a person, our Father in heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. And Jesus ends that bit of teaching after he's given the disciples the Lord's Prayer by saying that the Father will give you the Holy Spirit. He answers with a person as well. The Lord's Prayer is not about what we need, but who we need. Last week, Mim was teaching us on adoration as we looked at the line, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And it was absolutely fantastic last week, wasn't it, as Mim spoke. And the thing that's really stuck with me and will impact some of the stuff that I say today from what Mim shared last week was that as we adore God in prayer and worship, as we come before him in prayer, as we start with adoration, as we declare who God is, all of our battles, all of our needs, all of our anxieties, everything that we're going through is recontextualized in the light of God's goodness. And that makes all the difference for us as we pray, doesn't it? And so for the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at petition. We're looking at give us today our daily bread today. And next week, we're going to be looking at intercession. But today, petition, give us today our daily bread. And we're going to be looking at four things in particular as we go through these verses. Firstly, who we ask for our daily bread. Secondly, why we ask. Thirdly, what we ask. And fourthly, what we ask we receive. So firstly, who we ask. Well, let's start with the obvious. We believe, don't we, in a God who is sovereign, a God who holds all things together. Jesus, it says, in, Paul writes in Colossians, created all things and holds all things together. There isn't a single atom in the universe that does not do what it is that Jesus is doing as he holds all things. So if God is sovereign, Jesus is holding all things together, then presumably we'd be right to assume that God knows everything about what we need. That before we even speak it, God knows And that's absolutely right, of course. God knows everything. And so why is it then that we need to pray, give us today our daily bread? Why is it that Jesus wants us to articulate what it is that we need if he knows what we're going to say before we even say it? Well, remember what James said two weeks ago. I've just reminded us us of it. The Lord's Prayer is not ultimately about what we need, but who we need. And so by asking God for what we need, 
what are, we, what are we reminding ourselves as we do that? We're reminding ourselves that what we need comes from a person. In fact, comes from God. And it's as we ask God for our daily bread, we remember what Mim said last week, that, he is, that, that God alone is God and that he alone is worthy of our adoration and praise because he alone is good. And that completely recontextualizes the stuff that we're asking for. That completely recontextualizes our need. So in Matthew 7, which is part of the sermon that Jesus gave immediately after he taught the disciples to pray, um, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reminds us again in Matthew 7 that it's our Father that we go to in prayer. We pray to our Father. At the back of mine and Ellie's house, we live on um, Chester Crescent, um, just um, down the road near, near Jesmond Metro towards Sandyford. Um, round the back of our house at the minute, the litter problem has been absolutely awful. Now, for those of you that know me, you'll know that one of my pate hats is litter. I think if you ever needed a reminder of the depravity of man and the fact that we don't, you know, we're not on a march towards utopia and human progress, all you need to think about is litter in this city and think grown men and women are doing this. Now, I think that's a, fun, you know, a great reminder that, we, that we're sinful and that we need saving. Now, I whinge to Ellie all of the time about the litter. Whenever we drive, at the minute, it's particularly bad. I don't know why, but whenever I drive um, around our back lane, there seems to be just like bags everywhere and, and litter everywhere. And I complain to Ellie all of the time. Now, complaining to Ellie doesn't actually do anything. The only thing that's going to, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't help the litter problem go away. I can have a little rant on Twitter to the city council about it. That's not going to help either. So two weeks ago, I decided I'm going to do something about this, other than litter pick every day. So I wrote to my local councillor, who'd just been elected in the council elections, sent him an email, thanked him for being elected, doing a great job, all of that kind of stuff, and please can you help us sort out the litter? I emailed him, within two days he'd organised a site visit with the city council, the refuse collection team, and all kinds of things. And something has been sorted about it. Now why is that? Because I went to the person at the top who could actually make a difference. I remember in the first lockdown, do you remember everyone was going through a sourdough baking craze? Um, I joined in with this too. And the first few sourdoughs I made were absolutely appalling. They didn't rise at all. They were very flat. I was looking at all of the, all of the recipes online, BBC Good Food, Googling everything, how to get a sourdough to rise properly. It wasn't working. On Instagram, Brogan Hume, our ordinant, his sourdoughs looked amazing every single flipping time. And I had sourdough envy. So what I did was, I just asked Brogan on a voice note, Brogan, can you tell me exactly what you do to get your sourdough to look the way that it does? He sent me the instructions, I followed them, I had a fantastic sourdough. Now why was that? Because I went to the top, to the person that I knew could make sourdough the best. When I was training to be a vicar, one day the whole of Cambridge City Centre was completely locked down. You had, to have, you had to go through multiple armed checkpoints just to get into the city centre. Now, the reason for this was that the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge were in town. And you couldn't actually... They'd just got married, and it was their you know, first official visit, Will and Kate, to, to Cambridge after getting married. You couldn't move in the city centre, except I could. I could get through every single checkpoint because I had an invite from them to go and have drinks with them at the Senate House in the city centre of Cambridge. I'd gone to the top, and so I could work my way through. 
Now, Jesus tells us to pray to the Father because in praying to our Father in heaven, we remember that he is in control and we remember that he alone makes the difference. Who else can we ask for the stuff that we really need from other than the person who is in control of everything? We pray to our Father in heaven. That's who we ask. So why do we ask? Why do we ask for the stuff that we need from our Father in heaven? Well, in Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8, do keep that passage open in front of you, we're reminded by Jesus that we're to ask, we're to seek, and we're to knock. Now, so often these verses are taken completely out of context and they you know, misappropriated to talk about salvation or something. Just knock on, you know, keep knocking on the door or keep asking, keep seeking, and eventually, you know, eventually you'll find Jesus if you keep asking him to come in, as if Jesus is playing some cosmic game of hide and seek. Now, Jesus isn't doing that. Jesus came to the earth to rescue us, to find us. These verses are actually about prayer. Ask in prayer. Seek in prayer. Keep knocking in prayer. And the Greek here, and for ask, seek, and knock, they're all in the present continuous tense, which basically means this. Keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. In other words, Jesus is saying, you must keep praying. Elsewhere in the Gospels, in fact, I can remember this sermon really vividly. One of the first sermons at St. Thomas's after we launched was preached by Lee on the parable of the persistent widow. It's on our podcast if you want to have a look at it on Spotify. And in this parable that Jesus tells, you have this image of this widow who comes to a judge's door in the middle of the night and just keeps knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking until she gets an answer. Now we get this same sense here. Ask, seek, and knock. Now again, we might ask as we're reading this, if God knows everything that he's already going to do and everything that we're going to ask, why does he want us to do these things? Why does he want us to ask? Why does he want us to knock? Why does he want us to seek? Well, I think for a few reasons. Firstly, as I've already said, as we ask, seek, and knock, we're reminded, aren't we, that everything we need comes from God. Everything you could ever need comes from God and God alone. That everything that we're seeking comes from him. The only place to knock when we're in need is on the door of heaven. And yet so often we're tempted to answer life's problems, aren't we, by knocking on the door of a bank because we think we just need a little bit more money and then we'll be happy. Or we're tempted to knock on the door of relationships on the door of power and think if only I have the right relationships in my life that special one that one person that I'm looking for if only if I had a little bit more power at work or if only people noticed me a little bit more then I'd be sorted but Jesus says don't go to those places you're to knock on the door of heaven God alone provides what we need now second I think the second reason that we're told to seek, ask, and knock is because Jesus wants us to be consistent in the spiritual disciplines, including prayer. You know, I don't know about you, but often in my prayer life, I'm only, sometimes I find myself praying most when there's a big crisis on 
or when I'm feeling really good about life. And so I'm praying lots of prayers of thanksgiving or if there's a big crisis, I'm praying, God, please break in here or please answer this prayer. And what Jesus actually wants from us in all of the spiritual disciplines, whether it be Bible reading, prayer, worship, giving, you name your discipline, what, what Jesus really wants from us is consistency. Mike Schmitz, who is the host of one of the most popular podcasts in the world right now, he's a Roman Catholic priest in the United States of America. He's, he's running a podcast called The Bible in a Year. In January of this year, January 2021, it was the most listened to podcast in the whole world. Not Christian podcast, the most listened to podcast in the world was a Bible in a Year podcast by this Roman Catholic priest. And he said of the spiritual disciplines this, that consistency beats intensity every single time. Consistency beats intensity every single time. Now, as a team, I think that we've learned this to be true over the past 18 months of, uh, as we've launched St. Thomas's um, here in the city center of Newcastle as the resource church for the diocese. Every single day for the past 18 months, every single working day, the staff team have got together to pray. A lot of that's been online for obvious reasons, but together we've prayed at the start of every single working day. Now, if I'm honest with you, I can't say that they're always the most spectacular prayer meetings. They don't always look like the prayer meetings in Acts chapter 2, you know, with tongues of fire falling and, and the room shaking and all of that kind of thing. But we pray every single day, we give thanks for who God is, and we ask God for the stuff that we're longing for, for the church, for individuals in the church, for stuff that we need. And over the past 18 months, we have seen some unbelievably amazing answers to prayer. And when we've had to ask and ask and ask, some things we've been asking for for 15, 16 months, we do it every, sometimes we're praying for the same stuff for like four weeks running, sometimes as I've said, months running. It builds consistency. And when God answers the prayer, it is even more remarkable. When I was at Ridley Hall training to be a vicar, um, I fell in love with a little book called the Book of Common Prayer. It is one of the most amazing things you will ever, apart from the Bible, you'll ever get your hands on. The, it's the Anglican deposit of doctrine. It's got our articles of faith in it, which are amazing when I first went to Ridley, we, you know, we went to the chapel every single morning, every single student, every single member of the staff, and we prayed morning prayer together. And it was a little bit alien to me at first, because um, the church I'd been to, we prayed together every morning, but it was, you know, extemporary prayer all of the time. But the consistency of going every single morning and praying, and knowing that you're joining in with the prayer of the saints all over the world, is such a good thing to do. There isn't a day that goes by now where I don't open the Church of England daily prayer app on my phone. Consistency beats intensity every single time. Now, as we pray more, I think that we become expectant of God to do more things and to provide the stuff that we need. Now, I don't want to um, embarrass them, but Phil and Francis Harding, who um, Phil's actually um, helping lead a service down at the Civic Center this morning, but Francis is around at the back. Um, these two have taught me more about prayer than probably anybody else that I know. And what I love about Phil and Francis is that just being around them wants to make you pray. 
because they pray about absolutely everything. And they see every single little thing as an answer to prayer. And if God really is our Father in heaven, and he really does provide everything that we need, then everything is an answer to prayer, isn't it? Um, Some of you may know that we have been praying for the Wi-Fi situation here at St. Hilda since we moved here in March, April time. We signed a contract with a well-known internet service provider. I won't give you their name in case they try and sue me on if they, someone from this company happens to watch the live stream. We started a contract with them in February. We're still waiting for Wi-Fi to be installed. It's taken months and months and months. We're currently streaming off 4G, 5G. Um, three weeks ago now, on a Monday morning, the staff team were praying in here, and we were, we were about to walk around the building seven times and pray for the Wi-Fi to just come. So I was about to send the team out. Most of the team were going to go that way. For some reason, Lee went this way. I don't know why. He must have had a prophetic sense. He walked out of that back door there, and as he opened the door, all I heard was this scream. And stood at the door was a man from this internet service provider coming to dig the line outside to bring the the Wi-Fi lead into the church. Now, Lee couldn't believe it. In fact, he just ran straight back in here to tell us all. And um, anyway, the team, the team were praying. It was a fantastic answer to prayer. And at the end, Lee said to Phil Harding, Phil, you, you, that's amazing, isn't it? Are you surprised? And Phil just went, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the mark of somebody that prays regularly. Again, just another story about Phil and Francis. At St. St. Thomas's, um, down in the Haymarket, the, 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 the church building rather than the people, um, for the first six Six months before the pandemic hit, we were washing up in the little kitchen there every single week without no hot water at all. We were boiling kettle after kettle after kettle in order to wash up hundreds of mugs after the Sunday services. Lee eventually, well, Lee organized this electric tap to be installed that would give us instant hot water on demand. And I can remember the Monday after it was installed, Phil walked into the kitchen, saw this thing on the wall, and just immediately began to praise God and speak out all of these prayers of thanksgiving for this, for this simple hot water tap. Now, I saw it and thought, thank God I'm not going to have to wash up in cold water anymore. Phil saw it and saw it as an immediate answer to prayer. And that's because he knows that God provides everything that we need and he's incredibly consistent in his prayer life. And so he sees everything as an answer to God. Now, I'd love to be like that. So that's why we ask. Thirdly, what do we ask? Well, look at verse 9 of Matthew 7. In verse 9, Jesus takes us back to that line in the Lord's Prayer that we're looking at today. He talks about, you know, which, which of you fathers, if your child asks for a loaf of bread? And we sh- as we're reading this, we should immediately be reminded of that line in the Lord's Prayer that, that we're looking at today. Give us today our daily bread. Verse 9, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Now, we're reminded as Jesus gives us these words that the thing that we're to ask for is very simple. Jesus says, just Give us today our daily bread. Now, the Lord's Prayer itself shouldn't have been really a surprise to the disciples when Jesus, you know, when they asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray, and he replied by giving them the words of the Lord's Prayer. It shouldn't have been too much of a surprise. There was a very similar prayer during the rounds in Jesus' time, which, would call, which was called the Kaddish. 
which, as I say, is a very similar prayer to the Lord's Prayer, but it didn't have this line in it about asking for daily bread. And I think it's a wonderful, beautiful addition to this prayer from Jesus because it makes it clear, doesn't it, that God is not just some theological construct, not just the property of theologians that sit in university ivory towers, but we believe in a personal God who is deeply interested in all of our needs. He's interested in all of the details of our life. St. Augustine said of this metaphor in the Lord's Prayer of asking for daily bread, that it's a reminder that we are not to ask God for luxuries, but for necessities. We're to ask God for what we need. To quote Pete Gregg in his course, on the prayer course, when he looks at this verse, he says, it's give us today our daily bread. It's not give us today our daily bread with Nutella on it. Now, I love Nutella as much as everybody else. And there's nothing wrong occasionally with praying for those, you know, those, those luxuries. But what Jesus wants us to pray for consistently is the stuff that we need. Carson put it like this in his commentary. This prayer is for our needs, not for our greeds. It is for one day at a time, reflecting the precarious lifestyle of many first century workers who were paid one day at a time and for whom a few days' illness could spell tragedy. Now, one of the reasons I think that we find this line so difficult to comprehend is because we have it so good here in the UK, don't we? On the whole. 2,000 years ago, if you were a manual laborer or a farmer and you couldn't work for a few days because you had to self-isolate for whatever reason, you wouldn't get paid. And so you'd be on your knees praying to God, God, give me today our daily bread. We've got so much luxury and so much wealth, comparatively speaking here in the UK, that our government can, can you know, pay for furlough for millions of people during a pandemic. The reality, though, for even some people in our nation, the pandemic, the lockdown has hit them so hard. They've not been able to rely on furlough. They were on zero-hours contracts, or they've had to make the awful choice about whether to stay at home and homeschool their kids or go to work to provide food to put on the table. Now, for some, most of us, this is just an alien thought. And so the idea of praying for our daily needs, our daily bread, seems really difficult. But again, if we remember that all things come from God and we remember to be consistent in our lives, we'd, we'd, I think we'd recognize every single day when we woke up, it's God who's provided me with the clothes that I wear, with a roof over my head, with the breakfast that I've just eaten. One of the things, again, just talking about praying every single day, one of the things I really learned from one of my old bosses, Mick Woodhead, who was my vicar at the church I worked at in Sheffield, we prayed together every morning as a team there. And every single morning, without fail, we'd start with thanksgivings. And every single morning, without fail, Mick would thank God for the roof over his head, for the breakfast that he's eaten, for the shoes that he was wearing, and for his family. Every single day. And it was a reminder that all these things come from God. We're to pray for the simple stuff, the necessities. Now, as I say, I love bread. And I love Nutella. I'm not saying that it's wrong to pray, you know, for those, for those um, luxuries, as, as I 
as I, as I put it. You know, it's not wrong to pray for, you know, that you might have a nice holiday or something like that. I'm not, not saying that at all. I'm just saying that for consistency's sake, let's pray about the stuff that we actually need. That's what Jesus is getting at here. I think this is also a reminder, Matthew chapter 7, because Jesus places this in the context of relationships, doesn't he? Children and, children and a father is the analogy he uses in Matthew 7. And we remember that we're God's children and that God our Father in, in heaven is our true and perfect Father. I think that these verses are a reminder that we should be content with relationships. The question here, I think, isn't really what is enough, but who is enough. Now, there have been some remarkable studies carried out in the workplace over the past few years. There's one big research company, I think it was Gallup, who've spent decades and decades researching what makes people happy in the workplace. And they've spent dread to think how many hundreds of, pounds, hundreds of thousands of pounds doing all of this research and all of these years researching what makes people happy in the workplace. And in their top few reasons for what gives job satisfaction and happiness in the workplace, there was just some very simple things. Do they have good relationships with the people that they work with? And in fact, one of the most determining factors of job satisfaction in the workplace is whether you had a, someone that you might call a best friend at work. It wasn't about pay. It wasn't about good bonuses. It wasn't about having a swanky office. It was about whether you have good relationships with the people that you work with. Relationships, above all, are what we need the most. Good friendships where we can be open, honest, vulnerable, share life's joys, share life struggles. It's relationships that we need. For those of you that were here um, a few months ago now when we were doing our building community series as we were looking at the letter of 1 John, what we learned, I think, most, what, well, what struck me the most as we went through that letter together is that we need each other. St. Thomas's wouldn't be St. Thomas's without you. And St. Thomas's wouldn't be St. Thomas's without me because we need each other. God has called us together. Now back to Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 9. When Jesus says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask. The Father loves to give good gifts to those who ask him. The Father loves to give good gifts to his children. The question here is what do we perceive to be the best gifts? Because if it's praying for that snazzy sports car that we've always wanted, or if it's praying for that, you know, that, that thing that we think might make us happy. Is that really the best that the Father can give us? What are the gifts that the Father does pour out on his children? The spiritual gifts. The fruits of the Spirit. 
And the gifts of the Spirit aren't given for us as individuals first and foremost, are they? They're given for us as a family. They're given for us as a community. And they're also given that we as a community might be empowered to proclaim the good news of Jesus to those who don't know him. I also think, just on the, again, just on the back of some of the sermon series that we've been through recently, the best gift that God can give us is each other. You are God's gift to me. You are God's gift to the person that you're sat next to. You can do stuff that I can't do. You can reach people that I can't reach. You're far more gifted, talented, and good-looking than me, and we need each other. And you might think, you, you might look at me and think, you're God's gift to me. You might not, I don't know. But the point is that we're God's gift to each other. The Father loves to give good gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. Now, just to end all of this before we respond together, fourthly, what we receive. So, who we ask, why we ask, what we ask for, and fourthly, what we receive. Now, again, I've already said it, but just to really hammer home the point. I think that in prayer, it's ultimately not really about what we receive, but again, who we receive. So notice that Jesus ends this little teaching in Matthew chapter 7 by saying that the Father loves to give good gifts to those who ask. I've already said that the gifts that are most important to us are the gifts of the Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit. God gives us himself. One of the things that I hope you've noticed as we've prayed the Lord's Prayer together each week for the past three weeks, well, we pray it most weeks, don't we? But as we've stood and prayed it before the sermon series over the past three weeks, is that we pray, give us today our daily bread. I don't pray, give me today my daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Give us. It's all about community. Lord, give us today our daily bread. Now we can go to the Father and be confident in asking him for the stuff that we need. As Jesus says in these verses in Matthew 7, because even though we are evil, Jesus says, which of you, children, would go to a father and ask for a loaf of bread and end up with a snake? And yet we have a perfect Father in heaven who knows exactly what we need and will give exactly what we need to us. He will never let us down. He will never forsake us. And he knows everything about us. And that gives us confidence as we approach him. It gives us an assurance. It gives us security. And it means that when we approach him in prayer, we know that we are deeply held and deeply loved by God himself. We're going to respond together now. Can I invite you to stand? The band are going to come and join me. We also remember, don't we, that as we pray, give us today our daily bread, that um, Jesus himself said, I am the bread of life. As we were taking communion together last week, I was, I was actually thinking about those verses. Jesus is the bread of life. He is enough. 
He is all that we need. So let's just have a moment or two of quiet and ask the Lord to seal in our hearts these verses from Matthew 7 and again the words of the Lord's Prayer. As we pray, come, Holy Spirit of God. few different ways we might respond together and if you do want prayer for any of these things then there'll be a team that um, would love and be willing to pray for you down in this this corner here to my left your right and if you do want prayer the first thing is that as we've been going through these verses together you may have thought I've just been I've been asking the wrong person here I've been looking for happiness, I've been looking for security, I've been looking for joy, and I've been looking in, all, looking in all the wrong places. And today is a fresh invitation from the Father to come to Him and to Him alone for the stuff that you need because He alone knows every single thing about you. In fact, He knows it before you even ask. If that's for you, um, then as I say, the team would love to pray for you. But may you know the leading of God and may you go to him with your requests. Secondly, as I was talking about why we pray, it might be that you've, you've, you've realized, perhaps like me, that you're not always very consistent in your prayer life. And um, yes, you pray a lot when there's a crisis, but it might be that you want to just ask the Lord for some more consistency in your spiritual disciplines, particularly in prayer today. It may be that you've not had some quiet time alone with God in prayer for months and months. Um, the invitation from God is to abide with him and to come back to, that, to those spiritual disciplines that you might experience his grace and his joy. And lastly, it might be that you really do have a really serious need at the minute in your life. It might be a health crisis, it might be a financial crisis, it might be a relationship crisis. And you know that you just need to come to Jesus and ask for, come to the Father and ask for, um, for, for daily bread today. If that's you, again, I'd love to invite you to come and receive some prayer from the team. Now, if any of those things um, do resonate with you, what I'd love you to do right now is just put your hands out in front of you, where, wherever it is that you are. And we're going to pray a very simple prayer. We're going to take, take a leaf out of the disciples' book. And we're going to pray, Come, Holy Spirit of God. Teach us to pray.
Come, Holy Spirit of God, teach me to pray. The team are going to lead us in a song. If you've got your hands out right now, then can I encourage you that a really good thing to do might be to go and get some prayer um, from the prayer ministry team. So just as the team leaders in this response song, if you know that you've, you're responding to something, um, please do go and pray. We can do socially distanced prayer over there. So do head that way. But my encouragement to you is don't, as we're thinking about prayer, don't leave this place without having someone pray for you if you know that you need it.